Garrett Cole cheated. What we know is that Garrett Cole cheated as a member of the New York Yankees and that Garrett Cole cheated as a member of the Houston Astros. And we know that from Garrett Cole himself. What we don't know is what that means about his time in Pittsburgh and his dramatic ascent into becoming baseball's best pitcher after he left the Pirates. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio podcasting network. Over the weekend, the Los Angeles Times reported directly from Brian Bubba Harkins, a former clubhouse staffer with the L.A. Angels, that Cole was among several prominent players, prominent pitchers in Major League Baseball to have reached out to him to acquire illegal substances from him. And right away you're thinking about steroids. It's not steroids. This was a substance that Cole and other pitchers would apply to their hands to increase the sticky factor on the ball. And the reason that they would do that is to increase their spin rate. Anyone who's followed advanced analytics in baseball knows that management types, evaluators everywhere are going berserk over spin rate. Any pitcher who has excessive spin rate is going to be dynamite. It means better stuff. It means better break, circus-like break at times. It's also illegal. It's against Major League Baseball's existing rules to apply an illegal substance to a pitcher's hand or to the ball. This text from Cole to Bubba Harkins was given to the LA Times, and I'm going to read it to you directly. Hey, Bubba, it's Garrett Cole. I was wondering if you could help me out with this sticky situation, at which point he inserts the winking emoji. We don't see you until May, but we have some road games in April that are in cold weather places. The stuff I had last year seizes up when it gets cold. Harkins has all kinds of evidence. Other pitchers named were Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, both of whom also have had phenomenal results in recent years. Harkins says there are a lot of them. Why did Harkins choose to speak up and break baseball's ultimate code that why that whatever happens why did Harkins choose to speak up and break baseball's code that says whatever happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse? Well, it turns out he was mad and I can't say I blame him about this that Major League Baseball began blowing the lid off of some of this last year and in the process really just rolled Harkins under the bus, just 
basically blamed him for it. Which is very typical Rob Manford, if you've been following his tenure as commissioner. He's terrified of confronting the players on cheating. He'll go after everybody else. He went after the Astros like a madman, just not the players. Wouldn't touch them. Doesn't want to do anything to jeopardize any kind of uh, relationship or dialogue with the players on the field. Maybe that has something to do with the, the labor agreement being up later this year. I, I don't know. I, I can't place my finger on it. Maybe he's just not particularly courageous. Whatever the case is, they only went after Harkins. So Harkins is like, hey, 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 hang on a second. I was providing a service here. I understand it's not legal here, but I wasn't the one walking out on the mound using it. Not surprisingly, the Cole story got very, very little play anywhere outside L.A., where the L.A. Times broke it. In New York, where Cole is instantly regarded uh, as a hero, uh, born a Yankees fan, you know, comes home to New York, dominates everybody, loves the pinstripes and everything else. What do you think they're going to do? Turn on him? No chance. No chance. In fact, I'm guessing that most of you weren't even aware of this story until I started telling you about it just now. That's how low profile it was. That's too bad. That's too bad on a lot of fronts. Uh, I'm not a big fan of cheaters, to say the least. Cheating, to me, violates the character clause that's put in place for us writers when we vote for the Hall of Fame. And you'd better believe that if an investigation does in fact turn up that Cole Verlander, Scherzer, possibly others, are on this list of people who cheated, yeah, that's going to affect them. I mean, I can't predict how much. I only have one vote. But cheating is cheating. And this is cheating to assist in performance, which really, if you think about it, is no different than hitters roiding up so that they can hit the ball 500 feet. But I'll tell you the other part of this that bothers me. Cole was traded, as everyone in Pittsburgh knows, for a terribly mediocre return by Neil Huntington. He got back Joe Musgrove, Colin Moran, and whatever. But then Cole goes on to become this world beater with the Astros. And immediately, the house comes down on Ray Searidge's head. Why couldn't Ray Searidge do this while he was here in Pittsburgh? Why, why were they telling him to pitch to contact when, in fact, Ray was doing no such thing? I could back that up a million different ways. Contrary to public misperception, Ray Searage was party to the Pirates' plan that came from Huntington and Kyle Stark to pitch to contact, to pitch into shifts. That did not last long. Ray hated it. Ray ditched it. And by the time, uh, well before 
Cole was gone, Searage was not asking Garrett Cole to pitch to contact. Something else happened. So Cole goes to Houston, and he's just mowing everybody down, and he's got the greatest off-speed stuff of his life. He's getting a zillion strikeouts. And Ray Searage is just a dummy, a guy who spent his entire life instructing pitchers and who only three or four years earlier was being hailed as some sort of wizard who can fix anybody. Bring him to Ray Searage, and Ray will... And then all of a sudden, Ray becomes an idiot. What really happened? What really happened? Did Ray get lobotomized? Or did something else happen with Cole? Maybe the Astros did have some superior suggestions. But I want you to understand one thing. Every single time Garrett Cole was asked, after being traded from the Pirates, if he had any issue with the way they instructed him or with Ray Searage's instruction, he had not a negative syllable to share. Not one. And if you know Garrett Cole like I got to know while he was here, you'll know that's not in his DNA. Like, he's not the BSer. He's going to tell you what he's thinking. He had not a thing to say bad about Searage, the Pirates, Pittsburgh, anything. Nor his instruction while he was here. Hmm. Hmm. What actually happened? What actually happened? Do we know that Cole wasn't doing this stuff while he was in Pittsburgh? Do we know that other players, uh, past or current even, aren't doing this stuff? I have no idea. I have no way of knowing that. I do know the information that we have in front of us, and I do know that it doesn't look particularly good for Cole, for these other pitchers who are mentioned, but also for everybody who ripped Ray Searage after Cole went somewhere else and had success. He deserved a lot better. When we come back, just one question. for just one question that's always brought to you by our friends at mike's beer bar directly across from pnc park on federal street mike's is back open again so is the sister operation north shore tavern if you can't make it down to federal street you can still choose all your favorites from the more than 500 beers that mike's got on tap from the comfort of your home just go online to mikesbeerbar.com slash beer hyphen menu or call 412-322-BEER to order and pay. Person must be 21, ID required, and present to receive delivery. You will get delivery anywhere inside Allegheny County and up into the Cranberry area of Butler County. Mike'sBeerBar.com slash beer hyphen menu. Today's Just One Question comes from F.E. City Fan who asks, Who, if anybody, is untouchable on the 40-man roster during this rebuild, I ask this assuming the Pirates aren't dealing any prospects. The easy way to answer this question, arguably the lazy way, 
would be for me to tell you that every GM hates the term untouchable. They understand they're going to get it from reporters. They definitely get it from fans. Uh, it's one of those things that shows up on talk shows a lot. Who's on the untouchable list? There's no such thing. Um, if there's a GM anywhere that keeps an untouchable list in the vest pocket, I've never heard of this person. They'll tell you that they will listen on anything. So when a report emerges somewhere that says uh, the pirates are listening on offers for so-and-so and people get all freaked out. Whoa, they're listening. They listen on everyone from all directions. There isn't a GM anywhere that slams the phone down on somebody. It's just general practice. It's decorum. It's how you get along with other GMs. It's how they continue to do business with you. Now, common sense also applies. You also don't want to insult your counterparts. An NFL general manager is not going to call Kevin Colbert and ask if Ben Roethlisberger is available before the deadline. An NHL general manager isn't going to ask Jim Rutherford about Sidney Crosby. There's common sense that goes into it. But those guys don't have to put out untouchable lists to the people, nor keep them for themselves. Hmm, can't trade, let's see, Roethlisberger, T.J. Watt. It, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Off of the current roster, the general guideline that you should have is if it's someone who Charrington sees as potentially being part of the Pirates' next winning team. That's the phrase that he uses a lot, and I've learned not to doubt him uh, on that count. I, I believe that he's sincere when he says that. Now, does he have some Nostradamus-like vision for when that is? No, but I'm pretty sure after some stuff that I've heard from him in recent months that it's farther back than what he'd hoped. Maybe his perception of the Pirates minor league system was as inflated as it was for a lot of people around baseball because of a lot of games and gimmicks that Huntington and Stark pulled to try to convince people that they weren't terrible at this aspect of organization building. Charrington knows he's got a lot of work in front of him. And when he looks at the Major League roster and he sees young guys, but also years of control, if he looks at Kibrian Hayes and says, okay, from this point forward, the Pirates have six full years of Kibrian Hayes in the Major Leagues before he can become a free agent. That's three years of what's called zero to three time, an additional three years in which Hayes is eligible for arbitration, or the Pirates can sign him to an extension, as they've done several times uh, under Bob Nutting's stewardship. There's also Mitch Keller, who doesn't have a full season in the majors yet. There's also Kevin Newman, Brian Reynolds, Cole Tucker. There's also guys who might not be young, 
and this is why you don't want to just go with a strict age definition, but they haven't spent much time in the majors, so they could qualify for that kind of designation just on the fact that they'll still be around for six years if you want them. Um, an example is Will Crow, the pitcher that the Pirates picked up, one of the pitchers, the, the older one, from the Nationals in the Josh Bell trade. He's 26. I'll be the first one to tell you that when I hear 26-year-old prospect, I have the same reaction you do. I just burst out laughing. But I'm only mentioning Crow from the standpoint that let's say Crow were to turn into something good, okay? You can keep that player for six years. If he's effective for you until he's 32, great. Who cares? It's still something that's reasonable and sustainable in your control. So who's untouchable? You're going to think I'm just dodging your question here, so I'll try to answer it. I think the way you wanted me to, at least in that spirit, uh, you know, no one's getting Brian Hayes for anything. You know, I I think it would be hard, not impossible, but hard to get Reynolds off the Pirates or Keller, especially the pitchers, because they're so hard to get later in their careers once they're established because they're so expensive and so valuable. Whereas if you just make Keller better... Uh, J.T. Brubaker, you know, is another one that would fall into that category because, again, he's not super young. He's had some injuries along the way coming up through the minors, but he's got six full years of service time ahead of him. So it's it's that kind of player. That's the ones that you want to look to, and you want to look to the players who Charrington sees as being around here and being part of a Pirates team that is good. I really, really tried. I really did. Thanks so much for the question. Thanks to everybody for listening. We will do this again tomorrow. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.